I'm Lindsay Smith, host of the Unrivaled Inside the Jersey podcast, the podcast where athletes share their journey to becoming pros and the passions that fuel them outside of their sport. Today, our guest is Brad Keller, starting pitcher for the Kansas City Royals. Brad faced a lot of adversity this unprecedented year with the MLB shortened season and battling COVID-19, but he persevered and came out on top of his game as the 2020 MLB leader in home ERA for a starting pitcher. We'll get into all of that and more on today's show. Brad, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. So in my time working and covering sports, one thing that I've seen that I think is incredibly important for children is to play multiple sports growing up. You played football and baseball. How did playing those two sports help shape you into the athlete and person you are today? I think that's one of the most important things. If you ask anyone in professional sports today, they will say they played multiple sports growing up. And for me, I think you just don't get burned out on one sport. You know, it's constantly changing. Growing up, it was like, what practice am I going to today? Am I going to football or baseball? Like, I don't know. To me, that was fun. You knew what time of the season it was, but you never were so focused in on, okay, like I got to be unbelievable at baseball because it's the only sport I pick. No, as a kid, you want to have fun doing what you do. So play multiple sports is definitely the best way to do that. It teaches you a lot of different characteristics. Football is the ultimate team sport, I feel like. Baseball, game of failure. So you get to learn all that stuff um, the hard way, unfortunately. But I just think you just get a good mixture of everything. And like I said, it ultimately comes down to having fun. And that's what I think playing multiple sports does. Agreed entirely. Now, you came from a very athletic household. So tell me a little bit more about your family and what it was like growing up with so many athletes. My brother played college football. My mom played softball. My dad played football. It even stretches further on. My uncle played football and actually water polo at Penn State. Two of my cousins played basketball growing up. They actually had offers to go play basketball in Michigan. They decided to go to school route. My whole family was that way. And there was no really like option not to play sports. Basically born into it. Like that's the way of life. There was no option of, I don't want to do this anymore. It was basically like pick what sport you're going to go as far as you can. And then that's the one you're going to stick with. To me, it was the best. Like we've always had Sports Center, ESPN, something sports related has always been on TV. Like grew up around it, never been sick of it. It's just been a ton of fun. My brother, you know, watching his journey and then, you know, being able to experience my own, it's, it's just been a blast. So I couldn't, couldn't ask for anything better. You've said before that your brother is the biggest influence in your life. How has he impacted you? Watching his journey, he had kind of a tough recruiting route. He had some Division One offers that he just didn't want to do it. He didn't want to stay local. He wanted to go somewhere far. So he ended up going up in Cincinnati and playing at a small school up there and getting to see his ups and downs and how he worked through things. And, you know, we're, we're really close. So we got to talk about it all the time. And ultimately, when I got into pro ball, it was really easy to bounce ideas off of him because he's experienced, whether it, whether it was football or baseball, it's almost the same experiences of failure and of learning and growth to be able to have someone to bounce ideas off of. And a guy that's two years older that I've always looked up to growing up, it was just a huge blessing to have. So you played football and baseball until your junior year in high school. You said mom was a softball player and dad was a football player. So when the time came to finally make the decision on which sport you were going to pursue professionally, how did that all unfold? It's actually kind of funny. When I came home, it was after a football practice and I was just like, 
I don't see myself going any further in this. I feel like my passion is leaning more towards baseball. It got to the point to where I didn't enjoy going to practice for football, but I loved going to practice for baseball. Clearly, like it's showing me that my passion is leaning more towards baseball. And so when I came home, I told my parents, I was like, listen, I don't, I don't want to play football anymore. And I remember my dad just going, uh, he like laughed. He's like, we'll see how that pays off for you. We joke about it now all the time, but it was just like, no one expected to make a choice. After my junior year, like my senior year too, like going into it, it's like, go out and just play your senior year and see what happens. But I was just like, you know what? I, I want to focus on one sport and make for the first time in my life, make that one sport a priority to where I can actually feel like I can get better at it every single day. It was a tough decision, but I felt like my passion was leaning more towards baseball than football. So I feel like I had to go with my art. Yeah. And I mean, it has paid off in the long run and we'll get into that a little bit later, but um, following high school, you spent, you know, the next four years working towards your goal of playing in the MLB. So tell me about that journey, what it was like and what it took to get to the point that you're at now. I love the minor leagues. I feel like I'm very in a category of my own when I say that, because I mean, it was a grind there. There's no doubt about it. The long bus rides, the grueling nights, the grueling meals, the grueling games. There's no doubt about it. I didn't go to college. That was my college experience. Shacking up with a bunch of guys I didn't know in Missoula, Montana, rode bikes to the field every single day. Like to me, that was fun. Like that was a college experience in itself. Get to play baseball every single day on top of that was obviously the icing on the cake. I think the minor league experience is definitely tough. Baseball is a game of failure and it seems like the odds are stacked up against you no matter where you look. I remember being when I first got drafted, felt like the big leagues were so far away. I remember staying there. I was like, I don't even think I can make it high. Like high A seems like an eternity away. There's so many guys between, you know, getting drafted to high A. I was like, there's absolutely no way I will get there. I got to low A and I was like, okay, high A is one more step, but double A is another eternity away. I'm like, I mean, I got to go there before I make it to the big leagues. Like, I just remember thinking that. And then um, my brother was kind of like knocking me down. He's like, nose to the grindstone, like be where you are, be where your feet are make every day your best and just kind of build off that. And that was kind of what I did. And besides those two experiences, I didn't really try to look too far ahead because if you do, like you'll get so lost in it. It's so hard to keep up with. Just try to do my best every single day. And if it happened to happen, if it didn't, it didn't. As long as I knew I gave it my all. As cliche as that sounds, to me, that was the best way to go about it. Would you say that was the biggest lesson that you learned in that time? Or if not, what was the biggest lesson you learned through that? I definitely think that was the biggest lesson. Just keep the nose down, keep grinding. You just got to keep persevering through no matter what happens. Because like I said, the odds are stacked up against you in the minor leagues. As long as you can keep grinding, keep striving, good things are bound to happen. You just kind of got to wear the adversity, wear whatever happens, whatever's thrown your way. And can't really complain much because you're playing baseball for a living. You're where every kid wants to be. So I like that. That was kind of my mindset the whole time. And fortunately enough, it paid off. Absolutely. And, and listen, while four or five years may sound like a really long time, you're only 25 and you just finished your third season with the Royals. And it was a very unique one at that. So let's start at the beginning. What do you remember about the initial conversations around managing COVID-19 and the possibility of, of having a shortened season? Yeah, it was tough. I'm not going to lie. Um, it was something that I don't think anyone's ever gone through. Obviously, the labor strikes were a different story because baseball is eventually going to happen. Like, we weren't even sure if we were going to play. We had no idea. I remember talking to Matheny. What do we do? Like, do we stay? Do we go home? And he goes, he's like, I, I don't know. I wish I could tell you. 
I wish I could tell you advice on what to do, but he's like, we don't know. This is something that is thrown on us and we just kind of kind of go day by day with it. It was really hard because we were trying to stay as ready shape as possible without an end goal. Usually in the off season, you have your end goal. Like, you know, when you're going to report, it's really easy to be ready for that day. But when there's no date, there's no nothing. You don't even know if you're going to play. It's hard to like stay ready that whole time, especially mentally. I feel like for the first two weeks, I was like, okay, I got this, you know, stay in this mindset like, and we'll be fine. It's surely it's only going to take a few more months or a few more weeks and we'll be right back to where we need to be. And then after like the second month, I was like, I mean, are we ever going to play? Like it felt like negotiations were going backwards. It was just like every single day was something different. It was, it was hard. It was, I think it was more tasking mentally than it was physically. So how did you deal with that stress? What did you find that was the best way for you to manage it and continue to stay ready physically as well? Our pitching coach talked to all them and just like kind of get like peace of mind when, when it comes to stuff. To me, I took it as an opportunity to get better because I was in really good shape and I was technically in season shape. So I was able to actually go and make adjustments to my mechanics during that time to where I felt like that alone was taking my mind off of the season starting. Cause now it's like, I have something I can work for. I can work towards this is taking all my intention. It seemed like when I was going through that process, it made the three month hiatus a lot easier to, to cope with. And then just as the season was about to begin, you unfortunately <laughs> tested positive for COVID-19 missing the first week and a half of the season. What was that experience like for you, again, both mentally and physically? That was a shot to the gut, I could tell you that. It was more so mentally than physically, again. I mean, I was like, fortunate enough, my symptoms were very, very mild. I had like a stuffy nose and a scratchy throat, and that was about it. I felt a little lethargic for about a day, but besides that, all the symptoms went away for, I mean, they lasted probably four days, and then I was good. I stayed in quarantine for 11, I think I got out on the 11th day due to some negative tests but for me like I can't stand sitting inside like it bothers me and like just sitting down for 11 days and I was in an apartment building so it wasn't even like I was able to like go outside and like lay in the yard or something I literally had to sit down on a couch for 11 days it felt like every hour that went by was like a week like that's how long it felt those 11 days literally felt like a whole year in itself I was fortunate enough the the Royals kind of they helped me out. They brought me some weightlifting. They brought me a kettlebell and some bands. So I was able, they wrote me up like a little living room workout. So I was able to get some workout in. Um, I was thrown into a sock to keep my arm ready. Like just doing whatever I could do possible to, you know, stay ready. Um, but it was, it was hard. Like there's no doubt about it. I mean, the quarantine thing was terrible. I remember just like staring outside at people walking on the street and being like, I just wish I could just walk down the street. Like that's <laughs> as crazy as it sounds. Like it was, it was tough. Man, that sounds rough. I, I can't even imagine. But hey, you know, you responded incredibly well after that recovery, winning your first three starts of the year and not allowing a single run in any of those starts. After all the adversity, how much of a safe place was the mound for you when you were able to get back out there? I felt like the mound was the first time I felt like normalcy again. Although there's no fans, it just felt like things are finally back to normal, back to the way they felt before. Feeling that way just kind of eased my mind that, okay, like, we're all right. Like, we can do this. We're back to feeling the way we should be. Although we have all these crazy rules, as long as we're playing the game, we can at least feel uh, normal again. So, that, yeah, I definitely think that the mountain just kind of was like a 
coping factor with everything. And even though it was a shortened season, it was not shy of successes for you. What would you say was the highlight of this season for you? I definitely think the complete game shutout was really cool. I've never pitched in the ninth inning in my entire career, even minor leagues and now major leagues. So to be able to get the opportunity and not just get the opportunity to go out there for the ninth, but to actually finish it, that was really special to me. I mean, I didn't realize how hard it was to get to the ninth inning. I felt like my pitch count was so low. And I remember going out there and I was still at 100 pitches. I was just like, geez, I don't know how people do this. I felt like I was cruising and I was still at 100 pitches. It was crazy, but... Um, that was that was definitely really special, no doubt. I'm sure celebrating that obviously looked a lot different this year than what it may have looked like last year. But who was the first person to call or text or reach out about it? My family was. They watched every single game, good and bad. They call me after every game. They send me a text right away. There's phenomenal support staff. They're literally the best. I couldn't ask for a better family. I mean, they they're through thick and thin. They're there and. Yeah, I, I can tell you my, my parents were so ecstatic about it. Every single time after every start, they tell me what they were doing, watching what out and all this stuff. And I know my mom, she's, she never likes to watch the games because she stresses out. I think she stresses more than I do. So she's like, I really didn't watch it, but I know, I know what happened. So um, it, it was really funny. But yeah, they, they were the first ones. Cool. And then in addition to your first complete shutout, you were also the 2020 MLB leader in home ERA for a starting pitcher this year. How much has your confidence grown from last year to this year? And who or what was the biggest factor in that? I feel like every year you just want to try to get better. And I feel like this year, like I said before, that that little time off that we had where I was in good shape and I was able to make adjustments to my mechanics that, you know, in normal spring training, you really wouldn't just because, you know, you're trying to get ready for the season. But I think that was the biggest adjustment we made. I mean, Cal, our pitching coach, and Elsie, our bullpen coach, like we were on FaceTime trying to get things right. That allowed me to become a more athletic pitcher, throw more strikes, make my pitches better. You just kind of gain confidence in that alone. Like, okay, I can get up there and I know what I got to do to get this guy out. And now I feel like I have an effective delivery to repeat it constantly and with consistent movements of my pitches and know exactly where everything's going to go. That just kind of builds your confidence in itself. I I think that was the biggest adjustment we made. And then after the conclusion of the season for you guys, just about every article said that you have proved that you could be and should be the Royals ace for the foreseeable future. When you hear that or you see those tweets come across your timeline or those headlines, how does that make you feel? That's awesome. I mean, I, I appreciate everyone that says that. It's kind of crazy to see where I've came from to now and to, for people to assume that, that, you know, being an ace of a major league staff is, that's, that's really special. I can't help but smile when, when people say that, but, you know, I just try to go out there and, and compete. I know it's pretty cliche to say, but it, it's true. Like I'm a cheerleader for four days, but one day I want to go out there and, and actually battle with the guys. Now it's my turn. Like we, we got to win this game. And so that's, that's kind of my mindset and just, you know, try to get the best results I can out there. And, you know, that's what I try to do. Brad, I can tell you are a very down-to-earth person with a lot of passion, and I know that passion extends beyond the field. You often volunteer with Royals Charities in Kansas City. Um, Just how rewarding is it to be able to give back with your teammates, the ones that you go out there and battle with, the ones that you go out there and cheer for? We're here to give back to the community. The Royals Charities put on phenomenal events, and you know, anytime they come to ask me, no matter what, I'll make time for them. It's really special with with what they do. 
going to the hospital visits, the events that they put on at the field, like all this really special stuff. That's our goal is to use our voice and, and to give it back to the community. What's more special than putting a, a smile on a kid's face who's maybe luck's not, not as, as good as ours? Just for that time being of them stepping out of whatever they're having to deal with to meet us as players and people that they look up to and even Slugger, um, our mascot, like that's just really special. And to, to be a part of that moment is, is really cool. And one cause that you're also very involved with is strikeout slavery. Tell me a little bit about strikeout slavery and why that cause means so much to you. Strikeout slavery is basically a movement to bring awareness of human trafficking and slavery around not only just the United States, but the world. Something that hits home because being from Atlanta, you know, it's one of the hot spots for that because um, world's busiest airport and we have two major highways that roll right through here and one goes right through my hometown. So in high school, we got kind of introduced to it with one of my teachers. We were really close, me and that teacher. And so, you know, we kind of did more and more research about it. And, you know, then I got to the point where I can actually use my voice for it. And so I was like, I knew at a young age or in high school about it in my hometown. It's like, this hits a lot more close to home than, than I originally thought. And so it was, I thought it was a great opportunity to join into it. How did your interest in preventing human trafficking evolve from those discussions with your teacher to where you are now with strikeout slavery? The Royals Charities people, they came up to me and asked me about it. And then Albert Pujols, I got to meet him and he asked me. And this was a perfect kind of fit for my hometown, for my teacher. And I thought it was a no-brainer. You've taken this platform that sports has given you and you've used your voice to raise awareness on issues that are obviously very close to your heart. How important is it for people to use their voices and raise awareness for what they're passionate about? Our job isn't only on the field. We're here to help give back to the community. People listen to professional athletes, like people that they idolize, especially a younger generation. To be able to go out there and spread good in the world and to kind of bring awareness, especially like strikeout slavery, just bring awareness to people and, and allow them to understand what was, what is going on and not to just think it's kind of a make-believe thing and be like, this is real things, here are survivors. To have, you know, like a guy like Albert Pujols name tag to it, that's huge. People look up to him and they see he's endorsing this. This is a serious deal. Like, that's why I kind of see this as people that look up to you and they kind of see where you're your interest and and what you're fighting for is that they'll do the same. So I I think it's very important to raise your voice and with something you believe in for sure. How can fans help support you and strike out slavery? Go online, strikeoutslavery.com. You want to join the movement. Unfortunately this year with COVID, there's no events, but come to the ballpark whenever we have the events at the stadium, our pools and his wife put on a, a phenomenal display. They have survivors there talking like, it's very, very, very impactful. Um, and honestly, like that's, that's the way to help us out. We're here to raise awareness to everybody. And unfortunately, COVID's kind of ruined it this year. But hopefully next year we, we got fans back at the ballpark and we can continue the movement. Yes, absolutely. And once again, that website is strikeoutslavery.com. Brad, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time and, and this conversation today. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It's been a blast. This is the Unrivaled Podcast, giving fans a refreshing look at sports. I'm Lindsay Smith, and don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Look for Unrivaled's next Inside the Jersey profile of a likable professional athlete coming soon.